Welcome to The Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director, and Sebastian Dennison, Clinical Compounding Pharmacist. Welcome, Compounding World. Thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of A Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. My name is Mike Delisio, and I'm truly excited to have a special guest with us today. Uh, if you have tuned into prior episodes, you are familiar with the fact that we often interview members. Uh, we've done so with Saad Dino, we've done so with Sherry Kramer, um, as well as Steve Hoffert and Haley from Magnolia Pharmacy. Today we're going to turn our focus into uh, probably more towards the West Coast. So we are joined by Peter Koshland. Uh, so Peter, welcome to the podcast. I'm also here with Sebastian. We are joined virtually um, through this podcast, and but Peter, welcome to the Mortar and Pestle. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. So the the big reason why we asked you to kind of join this podcast today, uh, and why we wanted to record an episode with you, Peter, was because we've been putting a lot of thought in into how people expand their business practice, um, how they cater to the patients that uh, are close by to the communities that they serve. Um, you are in a very unique position. You, uh, you find yourself in downtown San Francisco. Uh, you've expanded a very successful compounding practice over the course of the last 10 plus years. Um, we wanted to share that story. We wanted a, the, the audience to really learn more about what made you successful, what made things different, because traditionally we do get a lot of incoming requests from people that want to join PCCA, and they find themselves in either rural areas, and sometimes they do happen to find themselves in very large metropolitan areas. Um, we did want to hear a lot more about your experience. We're, we're, I'm not going to give too much away because we do want to hear from you specifically. Um, but I guess the first question that we have for you is, being in a, in a very large metropolitan area, how did you come up with the concept of starting up a compounding pharmacy within downtown San Francisco? It, I wish I could sound really strategic and smart about it, but at the time I opened my pharmacy, which was 2009, at the bottom of the financial crisis, San Francisco was one of the more affordable areas in my region to start a business. Um, and at the time, there wasn't a, and still isn't, besides us, uh, a full-time compounding-only pharmacy that really dedicated itself to, to high-level compounding. So kind of the combination of availability of space and really nobody else doing it, um, you know, we, we decided to, to, you know, stake our claim in that area. On, to, on top of that, I have pretty deep ties to San Francisco. I mean, family history goes back to the, the mid-1800s, and I, I love, absolutely love the area. So there was also just a personal excitement to kind of, get back into the city and, you know, have a business there um, just because it's just a great place. So, um, you know, all that kind of came together at that time, um, you know, and then we kind of, you know, started figuring out how to make it work once we got things going. So with that being said, Peter, um, obviously painted a really great picture. San Francisco is not in the same, um, in the same spot financially now in 2019 versus what it was in 2009. So uh, it's a very sought after place to be. Rent is not cheap. You've you've managed to excel and, and succeed in a market that is, is definitely not the cheapest place to live either. Um, so how do you tailor your services and how do you market yourself at a very high level uh, to patients that potentially might have a higher disposable income 
but that also might be part of the, the younger demographic as well. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of part of the learning curve I had to figure out being in the metro area, especially a very expensive one, because it became expensive fairly quickly. And we were kind of benchmarking ourselves against the industry as a whole and realizing that we just weren't making it work. I mean, our expenses, I always joke that I challenge anyone to have higher rent than me. <laughs> I, I've talked to lots of people in all over the country about their compounding pharmacy rent, and I still have yet to find somebody who pays more than me. So <laughs> if you're out there, find me at International, and we'll see. We'll compare notes. But um, the, the flip side of that is that we have a clientele and, and just a, a community that has a higher income level. And so we had to kind of figure out how to match the pricing to to the expense and, and put ourselves at the you know higher edge of the industry in terms of what we charge for our services and continue, and really try to appeal to the value in that higher price. You know, like it's very you know, high quality chemicals. You know, we're very dedicated to PCCA's chemicals and we, you know, we're PCAB accredited. We do a lot of QA, uh, QC work on our finished products. And so really trying to say, yeah, it's the premium product. It's more expensive, but it's also kind of a gold standard. So, so to try to justify that higher price. And so far, we've been successful with that. In terms of attracting a younger clientele, hasn't quite happened yet. Um, I think a lot of it is that they're not really seeking kind of medical care to the same level as, you know, caring postmenopausal women or, you know, elderly people who have more health needs. Um, you know, there's a few things that are kind of getting traction with the, the high um, energy tech crowd. But in general, you know, we're kind of waiting in the wings for that, that cohort to get old enough to start to need what we're doing. And I think in general, we're going to be in a good position to appeal to that demographic because they do uh, generally want something customized or more, you know, outside the box, not just, you know, um, something that's going to come from a, from a algorithm or, or some sort of, you know, you know, health, um, I mean, trying to say like, you know, if it, you know, blood pressure protocol, they're going to want something that's more tailored to them so that they can, you know, be a more, live a more healthy life. So for that, for that group, we haven't quite, uh, you know, built a huge patient base around it, but I, I definitely see that coming in the next 10, 15 years. Well, it's nice to know that you have a, a demographic coming into you because I, I, I think that San Francisco is a very uh, interesting city in that they do have that value proposition to pretty much everything they do. It's it's not just buying a coffee. There has to be like a fair trade coffee. And since you've already positioned yeah, right. yourself as being the highest quality. That's right. That's right. Prep, so. Yeah. And, um, and, it's, and it's an exciting place to, to be in a, in a business that's trying to grow and develop because there's just a lot of entrepreneurial energy and excitement in general around the potential for doing new and innovative things. So in that sense, it's also, it's a very exciting kind of business environment to be in in general. So, so in that, because I'm thinking for a lot of people, they're thinking like, well, is there a lot of doctors downtown San Francisco and how do you get out and talk to them? And so walk us through, like, how do you, how have you positioned yourself, not just with the patient population, but with your prescriber pa uh, population? Yeah. Yeah. We kind of came to the realization that our, our area, well, the Bay Area is unique, I think, as a metro because it's kind of like there's like a bay in the middle of it, <laughs> you know, it's kind of breaking it apart. Um, but what's interesting about the Bay Area is that San Francisco is kind of the spiritual uh, social hub of the entire region. So 
you know, San Francisco has a is is fairly small as cities go. I think it's the 15th largest city. It has about 800,000 people. So, you know, compared to Houston, it's a, a quarter the size of Houston. Um, but its its influence and impact is much much greater than its population kind of lets on. And the Greater Bay Area has about seven and a half million people. So, what's interesting to us is that, and it's kind of something we lucked into was that by being in San Francisco, we became quote-unquote local to the entire region. Because even if you're in Marin County in the North Bay or in Oakland or in the East Bay, you have some connection to San Francisco, whether it's going out to dinner there or going to a museum or your friends come in from out of town, you're going to take them to San Francisco. So when we had to talk about, oh, we're in San Francisco, it was never, oh, you're you're in another town. I have a local pharmacy. We were local to Oakland. We were local to Marin County. And that allowed us to expand our marketing reach and sales reach beyond just the small, you know, 800,000 patient cohort, you know, population and this group of doctors that were in San Francisco. So, you know, of course, we have a lot of doctors and patients who work with in San Francisco, but it's not, I don't even think it's half of the entire group that we work with. So that was kind of interesting. It's kind of like psychological connection, but because of that, we, you know, we were able to kind of expand our market to the entire region without having a lot of pushback about not being down the street from the doctor, down the street from the patient. So here we are trying to record a podcast and have a discussion with you about being in a very large city, and you're telling us that you're the largest small city uh, in the country. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Which is pretty cool. it's it's, It's interesting. And, yeah, and it's, it's surprisingly small for a, for a quote-unquote city. Uh, but, you know, if, if you're in the region and you're going to the city, the capital C, you're going to San Francisco. So it, its influence and impact is much larger than its population. How much did you leverage that in the beginning, um, that you were downtown San Francisco, but that you had the ability to service the, the county as a whole? We leveraged it like crazy. <laughs> I mean, we really pushed that. I think on the on the operational side, we really had to build in a strong infrastructure to serve people who weren't ever going to be able to walk into the pharmacy. And that's probably another aspect of having a, an urban-type pharmacy is that you know, most people don't walk into the pharmacy. I mean, even if you live across town, you're not going to drive across San Francisco in the traffic and try to find parking and put money in the meter and, you know, walk in. And, you know, it's just – so we had to have a strong um, – operational process that allowed us to have the try to get as close to the experience of somebody walking in without them ever walking in. So that required a lot of like phone uh, interaction. So we do a lot of work on the phone with patients and doctors. And then of course, shipping everything to the patient. So, you know, 85% of our stuff gets shipped. And I always joke, like I have a patient who lives literally across the street. He doesn't want to deal with walking across the street to get his stuff. So he pays for shipping. So most people just, it's kind of, it's kind of an expectation. I don't want to deal with it. Just ship it. So that was kind of the one piece we had to build in when we went up to places where we knew people weren't going to want to drive across a bridge to get to us and make it as seamless and as pain-free as possible so that that never became an issue in terms of bringing their business in. So, so to kind of build on that, like I, I'm thinking about the Bay Area and I'm thinking like Marin, that's across the San Francisco Bridge all the way down to, um, down towards the airport and then across into um, Oakland. 
So are you seeing that patient population and are you seeing differences in those regionals for your marketing efforts as well and your patient treatment options in those areas? Or is it sort of uh, everyone's still doing the same thing and it's just, it's really and truly just, man, I'm shipping everything everywhere. Or are you seeing pocket regional differences as well? I'm curious. Yeah, that's a, it's, it's an interesting question. There's, of course, there are regional differences. I think when we've put together like kind of our marketing plan, and how we're going to go after doctors, of course, we're not just going after everybody. We want to be targeted because we don't have a huge amount of resources to just you know, grow the business and sell and market. Um, we're really trying to find practices that are a good cultural fit to us. So doctors that are high touch or you know, not just conventional prescribing that are open to you know, being creative about prescribing compounds. And so that's really our like that's really our starting point. And then we kind of go out, you know, look out beyond, you know, the pharmacy and see where these physicians might be. And certainly there are concentrations of them in certain areas, like Marin County, you know, has a lot of natural doctors. People are really interested in holistic medicine, functional medicine, and they have a lot of disposable income. So there's kind of a concentration there. But we kind of find them everywhere. So as opposed to focusing on like a region-specific marketing plan. We're really more focusing on a practitioner psychographic demographic marketing plan and then finding them wherever they may be. And sometimes they're in places you wouldn't expect. I mean, sometimes they're in low-income areas. Sometimes they're, you know, in places that don't seem like there's, you know, woo-woo is like Marin County, um, but they're a good fit for us and we tend to do well um, once we can identify those practices. So how... Can you walk us through how you identify those practices, it, like your your process for identifying them? How do you find them? Or is that asking I mean, too much of you to share that information? I, I, it's kind of it's your call. So, that you know, it's, it's, you're kind of talking about like a lead generation process. Um, you know, it, of course, it's referral from existing doctors and asking them if there's anybody they think we should. They tend to have a network, um, especially our top prescribers and our closest physicians. We also have a process built in where um, we uh, mine the data from our pharmacy software and look at all new prescribers that come in every month, and we'll do some research on them. We send them all like a welcome packet saying thank you for prescribing with us for the first time. But out of that group, which is probably 30 or 40 a month, we will you know do some research on them, mostly just online, You know, kind of get a sense of what their practice looks like, um, how, how they're promoting themselves, maybe the prescription that came in the door, and for those, you know, we'll kind of give them a higher score and say, okay, these are like higher value leads. And we'll probably, we'll do like a phone call follow-up and make sure they got the welcome packet and ask if they'd like to have an in-person visit. So to be honest, um, you know, we're not, we're not doing a lot of web searching, but we are doing a lot of internet kind of research on those specific practices once they come in the door. And usually, you know, each month out of those 40, there might be only three or four or five that like look like really good solid. But, you know, we have one salesperson who can go out to the field. So that keeps her busy, you know, amongst all the other things she does. So, you know, that's been pretty successful for us. And so to answer your question, I think mostly it's just internet, you know, and most of these doctors have websites where they're describing their practice and, and we can find a lot, you know, about that. So it's incredibly apropos that you're using the internet so much in San Francisco and the Silicon Valley, but but at the same time, that's a tool that's available to everyone now, and I think that's really incredibly yeah. valuable insight to anyone who's setting up or thinking about their practice. So, 
The crazy internet. I know. Yeah, for, oh, for like, sure, for oh, sure. And, and it's also, I mean, we're in the process right now of, of doing a, a kind of a brand analysis for the business. And so it, t- it took us some time to figure out, you know, who, who are we as a business? You know, we're, we're really passionate about functional medicine. We're really passionate about patient care. We're high touch. We want to know our patients by the first name, all that kind of stuff. So we want to find practices that think the same way. Because when we do, when we go in and talk to them, we're like, hey, where have you been all my life? We're buddies. We, we think the same way. So it helps also to know, you know, for us to know who we are and what, you know, what we bring to the table. And then when we, then we can try to match that to other doctors who kind of come at their practices from a similar, similar vantage point. Now, I, I feel really fortunate because I, I, I understand the vernacular you're using. But when you say a high-touch pharmacy... Uh, and and it, obviously, we're not talking about like a physical uh, uh, touch, but it, right. just when yeah. you say that, uh, walk someone through who's sitting in their car, driving along, listening to this podcast, being like, what does he mean by high touch? Like, I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of a, a term that gets thrown out there a lot. It probably isn't well defined, but the way I see it is, um, you know, very present with the patient, you know, and actually, it's something we do when we hire uh, p- customer service people who do our phone work because they're going to be the first point of contact with the patient. You know, and this is also true for pharmacists because we do a lot of pharmacists consulting with patients and doctors. Is how present are they on the phone with the patient? Do you get a sense of we we say uh, conveying warmth to the person on the other end of the phone? And if you ever have a chance to evaluate somebody's phone presence, you will absolutely see that some people can actually really do that well where they actually convey a presence and a warmth to the person on the other side of the phone. So in terms of high touch, the way I see it is they're, you know, they're feeling a sense of connectedness to us. When we get a new prescription, we say, hey, we're part of your care team now. We're, uh, you know, we're not just providing you a product, but we're, like, we're partnering with your doctor to provide you this care so we can help you get well. So it's, it's a little more than just, uh, hey, you know, give me your credit card and we'll get that out to you in a couple of days. It's like, we're connecting with you on a deeper level, I guess. I, I think that's brilliant, and it, that's a that's a perfect explanation. It, mine mine would uh, mine would echo yours almost exactly. Okay. Okay. So, you know, We're not too far off. I, yeah, I, 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 I think of San Francisco as a whole, <laughs> and and maybe I'm going to pick on San Francisco a bit, and I, I do want to. Just learn more about how you've evolved as San Francisco has evolved. When we joked around about the internet and, and how you're connecting and everything else, Peter. But let's be honest, for those for those that have been to the Bay Area in the last last few years, and I think it's safe to say it, it's probably outside of New York City feels to me like the most fast paced location in North America. And it's not obvious until you start speaking to the people that live there. Because of, because of VCs, because of the speed of Silicon Valley and just the overall speed of technology, you have some of the most intelligent individuals in the country in one small area, and, and things just happen fast. Um, you mentioned that you ship 85% of your products, and I want to know how you've leveraged a lot of, uh, or certain specific technology into your pharmacy, both from a service point of view, um, yeah. I know you're very technologically advanced when it comes to the software that you operate within the pharmacy, but I'm curious to know, is there anything, and this might be an off-the-wall question, but is there anything that you've implemented or you feel that because you are in the Bay Area that you've had exposure to different things or a different audience 
that have adapted to the speed of technology yeah. because of where you are? Yeah. That is a great question. Uh, it, it's tough to, it, it's true that, I mean, San Francisco, the entrepreneurialism and the, you know, the amount of innovation that's happening in the you know, internet world and, and, and technolo technological world here is, is literally staggering. I mean, there's companies that didn't exist when I started, well, companies like Facebook <laughs> that didn't exist really. I mean, I think they were two or three years in that are now, you know, obviously the juggernauts that they are. And even businesses that started three, four years ago are now, you know, evaluated a billion dollars. And, and so it's a weird environment in, in, from a business perspective to be in like that because we're like a mortar, we're a brick and mortar, organic growth, 10% a year, you know, just walking up the hill. There's no scaling. So it does, I do have to kind of, when I talk to other CEOs and people who run businesses, kind of understand that I'm actually like not like those guys. Right. Because there's no way for me to scale 10x year over year. I'm not getting venture capital money. I, I'm not going to have a $100 million valuation in five years. Um, and they're like, so why not? That's just <laughs> one thing. How come this yeah, isn't happening? I mean, What's wrong with you, I don't understand Peter? this, Peter. Come on. Like, you can't take your business to a half a billion and, and dollars? That, What's wrong yeah. with you? <laughs> but what's, crazy, what's crazy about that is that is an expectation for a lot of businesses in this area. I mean, and so it sounds insane from our perspective as small business owners, but it's not insane in terms of the business environment around here. So that's, a, that's kind of something that you, I just have had to get used to. The, the, the flip side of that, the, and a real positive is, but business IQ in this community is extremely high. I mean, I network with other small business owners, and they have a very, very good grasp on how to be good business owners, how to run their business. A lot of them come from some of these bigger businesses and, and have brought a lot of expertise to their small business. So it's a great community in that respect to be able to share business challenges and have this like very high business IQ community to be a part of. In terms of technology, though, I'm still a bit thwarted by my lack of, of ability to adopt new technology. We are um, going to be adopting RX Dispense um, actually next month, so we're an early adopter for that, um, despite the cries and screams of my staff who don't want to change. But it's but like that for it. any software <laughs> implementation, right? It's, uh, it's always yeah, tougher right. on the personnel yeah. than it is on the actual technology itself. Yeah. Yeah, but one of the things that really appeals to me about RX Suspense, and I'm not trying to put a plug in for that, is that is that the data warehousing aspect of it. So, you know, in the uh, you know with TK, you can't really access the data, and there's so I mean we're we're we are so data rich. Like companies would kill to have the level of data in their databases about their customers that we have about our patients. Now we have to be careful about HIPAA compliance and not abusing it, all that stuff, right? But there's a tremendous opportunities to mine that data for marketing purposes, for, you know, just for tracking and trending, you know, where the prescriptions are coming from, what, what are the day-to-day -day trends. And so I, I kind of see once we can get into a software that allows that data to be accessed by third-party providers, um, it's really kind of open up a whole new world in terms of what we can do in terms of the technology. And so that's what really excites me. So like one thing that we're probably going to try to get going as soon as we can is like email journeys. So this is something that's done very commonly in the retail world. And I have a friend and colleague who runs a business that does this. And basically it's all automated. And as soon as a new customer comes in to our system, it triggers an event. 
And that event will trigger a series of, in this case, emails, but it could be also SMS texts and phone calls or whatever you want, but we're going to do emails. And it'll start out with, you know, the next day they'll get a welcome email. And then in a month, they'll get an email about um, some products we sell and why they might be helpful for them. And then another month, they'll get something else. And actually, that's all triggered and set up ahead of time. So I never have to manually do that. It's done automa automatically. And that's their customer journey. Um, it can also be, you know, tailored to the type of therapy they get, their gender, their date of birth, their, I mean, you can put in birthday announcements. I mean, the amount of specificity and detail you can put into this kind of stuff is really incredible. So that's just one small example of the power of being able to access this data for other purposes. So that's really where my mind is down the road is like how we can, you know, utilize the data we have to sell more supplements, um, have the customer have a better customer experience, understand what compounding is, how to evaluate quality, tell them happy birthday, all that kind of stuff. So we're not there yet, but that's really down the road. And I'm hoping 2020 is something that, you know, we'll get started with some of these things. I have a feeling you're going to be a keynote speaker at a seminar talking about the digital age and the <laughs> utilization of technology and improving business practice, because that, that is effectively what you've just talked about. You've got a brick and mortar store and you've got this small business and you're trying to incorporate these new technologies, but this right. is the interface of technology into a pharmacy practice, but not for clinical purpose. And I'm excited about it because I think, right. again, everyone's trying to find a, a value add to their to their practice. And you, you, you're you just starting to right. touch upon it now. And I think it's, it's going to be our big growth area right. for any compounding practice. And it sounds really cutting edge. But if you talk to anybody in the retail world, they've been doing this for five <laughs> years. Just look at how many West Elm emails you get, you know, or something. You know, these this stuff is already established. We're just kind of tapping into what other industries have already figured out. And I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's much more things that we can do, clinical and, and sales both, to kind of, like you said, add value to our business and also just increase the communication. And it's it's all automated, right? It's like you don't have to do the work. It does it itself. Well, I that's think, the key. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's the hard part is people try and wrap their heads around actually doing the, the physical work, whereas once you've got an integrated system, and you've got the, because of the data generation from the patient patient files, it's just importing it into a, to that algorithm, which can then start pushing the business into the direction you're looking for. So it's, it's amazing right. that you're there. I just think because our business hasn't had the opportunity to explore some of these things, it's just not, it hasn't gotten into our world and our consciousness. Yeah. Um, but we don't also have to reinvent the wheel with some of this stuff. We're just going to steal it from other industries and just learn their best practices, <laughs> which is nice, you know, well, that, we don't have to. You know, figure this out for the first time. That's like that's like setting up a subway beside McDonald's. It's you know you've got your population there, right. so it's smart. It's very smart exactly. business practice. It's <laughs> awesome, Peter. It's so it's so fun to hear this perspective because a lot of people are currently just they're and they're they're mired in how do I advance? How do I advance? How do I advance? And you're in a city that's dragging you along like it's it's literally it's so so right. exciting it's so fast and you're just like oh, 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 there's so much that we can do so it's it's very interesting you know um yeah that's, that's interesting i guess going back to what i originally said when we kicked things off was making this work in a in a big metropolitan area i think sometimes we we do see that hesitation from current members as well um 
themselves feeling that, you know, they're, they're in a very big space. Um, there might be other members in the area. They, they just have a hard time getting themselves out of their own, their own head trash or their own shells. Um, you've shared a lot of stuff. My big takeaways from you is that you are definitely connected beyond the world of pharmacy. And, and I think that works yeah. for any member. I, I don't believe that it's Sim- simply appeals to our audience in a, in a large metropolitan area. So besides from that, Peter, where do you see yourself kind of standing apart and, and looking back at the growth that you've experienced and how well that you've done? You shared a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of big takeaways for, like I mentioned, any member who's listening to this or any compounding pharmacy who's listening to this for that matter. Um, but is there something that you feel that moving forward will propel you to kind of the next level? Because I know you're a next level type of person. We, we spoke about San Francisco yeah. in general, being, uh, being forward thinking and always being uh, five years ahead and, and having a long-term vision. Yeah. Um, what are the next steps for you and, and how do you see yourself growing your business from where you've currently established it? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm, you know, t- full disclosure, I'm not, a biz- I'm not a trained business person. I'm a trained pharmacist. So I've had to learn all this stuff from other business people and just learning as I go. So, you know, one of the things I've been struggling with and working on in the last year is to understand the difference between sales and marketing and to really build out my marketing processes in, in uh, as, as separate from my sales processes. And what I mean is that we have a, I have to say, I think PCCA sometimes uses the term marketing rep. And I, I want to correct people on that because they're sales reps. And sales is quite different than marketing. Um, sales is really that person going out in front of doctors, asking them for their business. It's a one-on-one relationship. You have person that's actually in the field. And to be honest, I think our industry and our business will always be highly dependent on sales. I mean, sales just works. When you get out there and you get in front of doctors, you get business. You know, not every time, but if you keep at it, it does grow the business. So we're still going to focus on having a good sales process. But what we've been trying to build is the marketing side of that. And what that's really about is facilitating the lead generation to the salesperson and the kind of continuous communication to the community and to our patient base and making that an automated kind of thing that's happening ongoing all the time, rain or shine. And so we actually brought one of our techs over and made her our marketing, uh, I think we're calling her a marketing assistant. And so she's actually helping to, to formalize the process where we evaluate leads as they come into our database, where we're sending emails out. So that's really, I think, what we're trying to build out now is the marketing process to feed the sales process. So it's lead evaluation, lead generation, and then, um, and then it's in its own kind of continual communication to keep people feeling connected to us, keeping us front of mind, um, understanding what we offer, some of the supplements, some of the other opportunities to interact with us things like that. So that's, that's what we're building now. So I'm hoping that's going to fuel our next stage of growth. The other thing we're doing is this rebranding process where we're, we hired a consultant who's basically going out there and talking to our customers and doctors that we work with to find out what we mean to them. What, what, how do we come across? What's our brand identity to them? And so that's also going to be kind of a cornerstone of this new kind of, you know, five-year plan basically to like 
you know, see how we're going to grow this business so that we have a better sense of who we are and how we can authentically present ourselves to the world and in that regard, pull in the people that are going to resonate with what we're about. So now, that's a long answer. It's a lot of stuff. <laughs> it was an awesome answer because that's, that's the reason why people are tuning in. You know, it's, it's to learn how to bring their business to the next level. You just covered it in about three and a half minutes. Yep. So the, the longer, the better. And, and that's, that's kind of the reason why I, I wanted to ask you that question, Peter. You did a great job of answering it. And I know uh, Seb's got something. He's chomping at the bit. So I'm going to let him go ahead. Yeah, because, yeah. again, we're talking about a, a super innovative, fast-paced uh, city. And you've touched on it a couple times, is, uh, is what is your brand? What is going to become your brand? And I think that that's going to become more important for every pharmacy moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Not talking about your particular brand, but, but explain the, that dynamic as to what that thought process is so everyone else can, can understand when you're saying it. We have to identify our brand and what we represent. Right. Yeah, brand, and brand is really tricky. I mean, it's it's hard. It's kind of like asking a person, who are you, like, at your core? You know, like, it's kind of something that it's hard to think about, especially if you're inside of it. And it's one of the reasons why we hired somebody to help us answer this question. Um, and I'll say we've spent about $25,000 to go through this process. So it's not cheap. But the idea is, is this is the kind of foundation of, like, our identity as a business. So um, through our own sense of who we are, what we offer is we talk about quality. We talk about, you know, um, our, the, the level of clinical expertise that we bring to bear, our high touch, all that stuff. And then we kind of, this person we're working with um, kind of goes out and interviews people who, are, who have various levels of interaction with us, longtime customers, new customers, longtime doctors, new doctors, and kind of gets their sense of what, it, what it's like to work with us and whether that connects to what we think we're, you know, we're kind of about. And if it's a disconnect, how do we understand that disconnect and adjust our own selves so that we can present to the expectations of our authentic, you know, our our authentic selves. So, you know, this, this process is going to turn into a tagline, which is going to turn into some marketing material, which is going to turn into a new website. And so all that stuff kind of grows out of this process so that, it's all kind of part of one kind of coherent presentation that's hopefully and ideally authentic to what we're bringing so that if you were to click on our website and we've done a good job of, you know, presenting our brand and our authentic selves, you'll be like, yeah, that's the place I want to work with. Those guys are just what I'm after. And I think that's kind of the culmination of all that work is to have that ability for people to quickly connect to what our, business is about and whether that's the right fit for them. And I think that this is a desperately important piece for anyone who's trying to, to move forward in their business world right now, because this is a, it's a self-analysis and it's a recognition and it, it's something yeah. that a lot of businesses are struggling with, especially now in this new uh, sort of new new landscape of, of business. So I know Mike's got a, a right. follow-up question. Right. So thank you so much for explaining that. Yeah, Seb, and, and thanks for the opportunity to kind of jump in. It will probably be one of our last questions to Peter. Um, thinking or taking into consideration everything that, that you've done from a branding point of view, uh, you mentioned your website, you mentioned the audience that you want to appeal to. Uh, I know something that is, is very near and dear to you because I, I know I heard you speak on it a couple of years back was the whole subject of 
search engine optimization, also referred to as SEO. Um, I know this might be well beyond a lot of what pharmacies out there are doing, but there are some people that, uh, that pay very close attention to this. And if you are in a metropolitan area and you do want to stand apart from your competition, this is obviously a great way to, uh, to be found on Google. And essentially that's what SEO is. It's how yeah. to be found through yeah. a search engine much easier and quickly so that your audience can detect your brand and see your brand uh, much more visibly than ever before um, through the power of search engines. So uh, before I go into this long-winded description of SEO and search engine optimization, what have you done uh, to help improve your presence in San Francisco as well? In terms of just SEO and just our web presence and our online presence? Yeah, and is, is, is it something yeah. that you've really paid a lot of uh, attention to? Yeah, for sure. And I always, I mean, I'll, I'll continue to say this until I can be proved wrong, is that the two best ways to market are email and SEO and, and search engine, you know, Google search type stuff. And I think I think all the data still supports that. That's been kind of the mantra for the last, you know, eight years. And, and despite, you know, all the social and everything that's coming on, all the fancy new bells and whistles, those still, for us, uh, have the best traction in terms of actually bringing business in. Um, so I'm going to continue to beat that drum, focus on email and search engine optimization. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's having a good website is, is important. I mean, it's just, especially for patients trying to look for you. Now, most of our business comes from doctor referrals. So I, I don't want to under overplay, you know, the sales app, you know, how, how it's not, this is not going to bring in more business than my selling process and getting in front of doctors, but it does bring in new customers. It's, in some ways kind of part of our lead generation process because when we get a new patient in that finds us, they're bringing their doctor with us, then they get a welcome packet and that goes into that whole marketing uh, procedure. Um, we hire a company to do SEO for us. We also do Google AdWords, which is like SEO for cheaters, I guess. I mean, we're paying Google to put us at the top of the list. So just to give you a sense of how much I spend on this stuff, um, it costs me $3,000 a year to register my website and to register with NABP, Pharmacy URL. Uh, I spend about 2000 a month, uh, 1500 or so, with a company that does my search engine optimization and manages my AdWords campaigns. And I spend about, I think it's about 2000 a month with Google. So I, you can do the math. But still I'll tell a lot you, less the than your rent. Of it is, <laughs> your rent. Sorry, you're still a lot less than your rent. Oh yeah, my, it's way, way, way less than my rent. Way less. So in hindsight, uh, it's a really small cost to have a much larger footprint than your brick and mortar store actually right. is. Right. And here's here's the you know once you get into this here's the, the scary part is that Google knows everything we're doing online and it's selling it to marketers. So you know we're on the buying end now. So when we set this up, where everything's getting tracked, we know where the person is, how much time they're spending, what they've clicked on, how, and whether they're calling us. And so then you define events, like you define like uh, a conversion being like they called our pharmacy. And then we kind of estimate, you know, a certain number of these calls turn into new business. And this new business is worth this much, this many dollars this year, et cetera. So there's a way to actually quantify these expenses. And it always ends out like we're always making 5x to 10x back what we're spending on all of this stuff. So, I mean, we're also 
marketing to the whole state of California, which helps. We have a big state. Um, but even if it was just the Bay Area, I still think it would be worthwhile. And it keeps us, boy, you type in compounding pharmacy or you type in bioidentical hormone, we're always going to be at the top. <laughs> so it just puts us right front and center. And hey, that's that's advertising in the 21st century, right? So that, that's where people are finding who to do business with. So it is a very important and very powerful way to promote your business. But, you know, we have to, I have to hire somebody to do it. And not so much because it's so complicated and so hard, but it just takes a lot of babysitting. I mean, they're, they're constantly monitoring it, making changes, especially the AdWords campaign, um, you know, making sure that we're not wasting money with Google. So I do recommend finding a good, you know, somebody who can manage your, your at least your SEO and optimize that. Um, it's worth the investment. Well, we ran our little test while you were talking and giving your audience the answer, and you're pretty much everywhere. So um, yeah. I, I won't click on the links because they know it'll cost you're Houston, money. But if you're Houston, hopefully you don't show I don't show up because they don't ship out of state. So if you're in Texas, unless you, like, you know, make it look like you're searching from California, we should we should be showing up. Yeah, yeah all I looked Plus for was compounding pharmacy San Francisco, <laughs> and, it, and it's dominated by Koshlin, which is good news. So it, it, it's all working. That's the idea. That's the, that's the plan. You know what, Peter? Yeah. I, uh, I, I <laughs> Everyone's going to be like, oh, how do I do that now? It's gonna, it really, it's is, a, it really is a good test, though, for anybody um, who has a web presence to see how they fall. And I know a lot of people pay very close attention to stuff like this. And, uh, you know, when we, we started recording this, this episode, um, you and I had spoken prior, and we kind of had an idea where we were going to go with it. I'm, I think we should change the title of Technology Corner with Peter Koshlin. Uh, because there's been so many awesome <laughs> ideas, and and also from a business point of view, Peter, um, you you've laid out a whole golden platform for a lot of individuals that that do require a lot of assistance and guidance, and and I think a lot of the information that you provided is beyond the scope of simple metropolitan areas. So, uh, for all of our listeners, I I really think this episode is going to be beneficial. Um, for for those yep. of you, for those of the people out there that are not familiar with you. Um, I hope that they are going to be at International, maybe giving you the chance to, to meet up with you while you're there. I think this episode will probably be published around the time of International mm. at, at the exact same time, believe it or not. So um, mm. it might give, oh. might, might give people a chance to, to get a hold of you. And uh, if they do have questions, we'll, we might point them in your direction. Uh, I can't thank you enough for doing this. It, it, it does mean a lot to us. And I've always said that PCCA members say it best. Um, I don't think you could have described not only your current climate and your current situation any better, uh, but also laid out a whole groundwork and plan for a lot of individuals that, that potentially need some assistance. So uh, great advice yeah. and, and just amazing feedback from somebody who's been doing this for 10 plus years. Peter, I, I, I can't say. To talk about, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. All of our podcasts are always interesting. Um, but this was a completely different perspective and a lot of, like you said, we're trained by as pharmacists, not as business people. So to hear this sort of incredibly uh, cutting edge take on everything. Thank you. So super valuable. Yeah. Just so awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for having me on. It's been fun. Our pleasure. Maybe we'll do it again down the road when, when, when technology changes in about 12 months and, and you're doing something completely right. different. <laughs> <laughs> we're having drone delivery from yeah. our prescription. We're not far away. <laughs> oh, we're, yeah. 
Did, didn't they do a drone <laughs> delivery? I think they did this. Honestly, they did a drone delivery from Vancouver to Salt Spring Island with medication. I'm like, there's a pharmacy on Salt Spring. There shouldn't have been a drone delivery, but oh, really wow. cool. <laughs> like, we're, we're, you're not far off. And, and if, you cool. know what, if there's going to be one place to do it, it'll be the Bay Area. So you'll, you'll probably be the first pharmacy yeah. delivering compounding medications via drone. I'm all over it, man. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> thanks again, Peter. Uh, and uh, and right. appreciate it. Thanks for the call. And, and once again, thanks again to all of our audience. Uh, we hope that you've, you've enjoyed this episode as much as we've loved recording it. Uh, please stay in touch with us. Speaking of social media and staying connected, uh, don't forget to like us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Please uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you do not miss an episode. Until next time, this is Mike Delisio, and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.